Welcome to another episode of the Just For Show Show, a podcast where we share our love of community theater with the people who make it happen. I'm Galen Malik. I'm Heidi Swarthout. And I'm Ben Slavik. This week, we have more listener stories to share, and we have a great conversation with a very funny man, Jamie Black. So let's get on with the show. This has gone far enough. Quite frankly, I'm worried about the boy. We both are, dear. Goodness knows we've tried everything. So many hours talking with his teachers, that therapist we hired, all that money spent on camps. But he just won't quit. Oh, even a good grounding wouldn't work. The boy snuck out of the house to go get his jollies. I'm at wit's end with him. Oh, there's got to be a way we can get through to him. I just can't bear to watch our son throw his life away. Sounds to me like it's time for an intervention. Honey, I don't know about this. Don't know about what? Well, any of it, besides what we saw on that TV show. Are are you sure we're qualified to do this? Does being a couple of desperate parents who love their son make us qualified enough for you? Oh, I'm still not sure about that, but... Oh, an intervention. Okay, okay. Let's give it a whirl. Sonny! Oh, Sonny boy! Please come out here for a minute. Um, mommy and Daddy want to want to give you a cookie. Seriously, a cookie? I'm nervous. It was the best I could do. Oh boy, I hope it's a chocolate chip cookie. Hey, where is it? Why do you look so serious? Sit down, son. There's no cookie, is there? I'm sorry, love, but no, there is not. What's going on? You're throwing your life away! What? Well, what your father is trying to say is that we are worried about you, sweetie. Worried about what? I'm a straight-A student. I have lots of friends. I help out around the house. Your robotics camp counselor called. And? Well, honey, she said you programmed your robot to do something. Outside of the assignment. What are you talking about? Oh. Is this about the... The show tunes. So my robot can sing defying gravity. Everyone thought it was really cool. What's the big deal? The big deal is we we talked about this already and and you... And it's almost as bad as the time you tried to choreograph your soccer teammates into a kick line. Or when you performed that Titus Andronicus monologue at the bakery... You scared people! I was just acting. Just acting? Yeah, just working on my craft. Oh, God, it's worse than I thought. Oh, okay, maybe we all just need to- No theater! Dad! You're flushing your life down the toilet! Well, well, I don't know about that, but but we're just concerned about you, dear. We we worry about your, you know, your future. As proud as we are of your- creative streak. No son of mine is going to be a bum actor. What's the big deal? So I love theater. Love? Are you trying to break my heart? He's trying to break my heart. And your mother. You're killing your poor mother. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm not trying to break anyone's heart or kill anyone. I just love it. Some of my friends love sports or math or science. I love theater. The storytelling, the connection with humanity, communicating in a room with other people. 
It's my calling, my soul's purpose. Your soul's purpose? Let me tell you about your soul's purpose. Your soul's purpose is to take over the family porta potty business when you finish school. That's your soul purpose. Honey, your dad has high hopes for you. And those hopes don't include traipsing around on some creaky stage with a bunch of smelly actors. If I said it once, I said it a thousand times. No theater. God is my witness. If I catch you sneaking out to a drama cult or whatever. Drama club. Whatever. Look, if I so much as hear one word of that that Shakespeare or Tennessee Wilson or Anton Checkers, I will throw you out on the street. Do you hear me? On the street. Whatever. I'm going to my room. I'll come out when there's an actual cookie. Oh. Well, that didn't go well. Good for nothing, kid. I think he enjoys ripping my poor old heart out and stomping on it. I try to be a good father to him. Give him everything he needs. Give him love, security, the number two rated porta potty business in the tri-state area. And this, this is how he thanks me. My only son, apple of my eye, the fruit of my loins. One day I will be dead and gone. And I swear on all that is holy, I will haunt him until he is dead. And I will spend the rest of eternity reminding him that he ruined our family. Then he'll be sorry. Acting. Theater. Art. Pooh. Where the hell do you think he got all this drama from? I... I just don't know, dear. We here at the Just For Show show asked you, dear listeners, to send us your theater stories, and you did not disappoint. Uh, We've had some very funny stories sent in, and we want to read them all to you if we can. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to send yours in, it's not too late. You can just email us at justforshowpodcast at gmail.com. So what's the next story we're going to read, Ben? This story is brought to us from uh, a first-time caller, long-time listener, uh, <laughs> named Jen Torchia. And this is this is entitled, uh, Jen Torchia Got Stabbed. <laughs> Jen Torchia got stabbed. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and as always, uh, whenever we use the word I, we are speaking in the perspective of the person who wrote the story, not us. In a production of Time Stand Still, in which I played Sarah, I had to tear apart the kitchen looking for a cigarette during a fight with my husband, James, played by my real-life husband, David. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, we got to do that. We got to get uh, Johnny on, or Kathleen on stage with you guys sometime <laughs> so you can play married couples. Sure, I'm all <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, good I'd, luck. I'd play, I'd play uh, Johnny's husband if you wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. And I'll play opposite Kathleen. Oh, Deal. my gosh. Oh, I'd love that. Um, <laughs> so, I'm reaching into cabinets and drawers, etc., which had been empty until Tech Week when the director asked the props crew to fill them up with utensils. You know, it's more realistic when kitchen drawers have stuff in them and all that. True. That jingle jangle. That's yeah, right. right, yeah. Just like a purse. Don't carry an empty purse on stage either, right? Do you ever think prop... You guys know. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think prop crews just don't know what to put in those drawers? They're like, eh, well, well cause they're, you know, you hit that point of your job where you're like, what goes in a drawer? Like, what do people need in drawers? Like, 
Oh, two, sure, two, yeah. Two, two pairs of scissors, like a thousand pens. Yeah, what if I got laying around? That's what's going in the drawer. Probably some glow tape. You know, yeah, right. Whatever. The screwdriver, the other screwdriver, the good <laughs> screwdriver. A bunch of marbles. Yeah, yeah. something with paint on it. Every, every drawer in a, in a play is a junk drawer. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she says uh, they had not been filled uh, until a week prior, you know, to make it look more realistic when kitchen drawers have stuff in them and all that. To which she says, you can probably see where this is going. So, oh, well, the title helped me see where this is going. <laughs> and I'm so scared right now. Go on. So, so during one performance, I'm fighting with James and we're doing our thing. When I start to open kitchen drawers, in goes my hand. And out comes my hand with a steak knife stuck in it. <gasps> no, <Ooh>. no, no, <laughs> no. Lord. Literally hanging out of my palm between my thumb and my wrist. Dang. <laughs> now, Sarah is supposed to be yelling, which is a damn good thing because I screamed. <laughs> I would hope so. That's, that's, a, that's the appropriate thing to scream there when you get a hand with a knife stuck in, in it. Little, little, little. In retrospect, this was a great idea on my part, even if it wasn't planned, because it alerted the crew that something was very, very wrong. <laughs> Yes. Oh. yes, the universal safe word. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where did I put that knife? Anyway, very fortunately for me, our onstage sink had running water, which also fortunately was working and came with a set of towels. Wow. Oof. Thank goodness. I, I can't even imagine. Oof. Yeah, that's, enough that's to worry rare. about on stage besides the steak knife sticking out of your hand. And that's, that's oh, rare, agree. though, that, that a set would have running water. So, so yeah. yeah, that is a lucky thing. Yeah, that uh, – have you guys ever seen Time Stand Still? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, yeah, the – the in most product, I've, I think I've seen like three productions of this show, all different. But, yeah, the kitchen, a lot of the things in the kitchen have to work. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's really – which is luckily for Jen, the this, this, this sink worked. Once I had dislodged the knife and saw the blood running down my hand, I suppose adrenaline took over because that amount of blood would normally be enough to scare the bejesus out of me. But I was present enough to run water over my hand and grab a towel, which I held in place for the rest of the scene in order to try not to bleed out. Oh, God. Good thinking. Smart. <laughs> to which she says, okay, it wasn't that bad. But the blood did run down my arm to my elbow. Yet I managed Ugh. to not bleed all over the costume or the set. <laughs> you are welcome, everybody. <laughs> I, I appreciate how tough she's being here um, to say it wasn't that bad. But getting stabbed when you're not expecting. Expecting to get stabbed, really just getting stabbed, period, I guess, even if you saw it coming. No, that's that's bad. I can only imagine how, yeah, like, if I accidentally stick my hand into something that's sharp, that's not a knife, I'm like, ow, damn. Right? Like, but that, right, yeah, yeah, paper cut, ow. That, but that is a true theater person who basically gets a huge wound in their hand and then has the presence of mind to not just cover it up, but keep it off their costume. Yeah. Right on. It's yes. not on my costume. A plus, Jen, A plus. 
<laughs> so the scene ends and I run back for a quick change before the final scene of the play. The big old fuck I yelled that got the attention of the crew meant I had a nice band-aid waiting for me as part of my costume. <laughs> and let me pause to say backstage crews are heroes. Had they not been paying attention, a very confused audience would probably be wondering why Sarah would have been holding a towel for several days. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Oh. So, oh, so thank you, thank you. It's here for the stage crew. Yeah, woo! Yeah. You, guys, you guys are the real MVPs. We can't do this without you. Right on. I was very upset, of course. I feel terrible about a few choice words I had for props that night, and I've apologized since. But please, let this be a lesson that real knives should never, ever be used on stage. Sounds obvious, but I guess not. (laughs) The The stage manager went through the drawers the following day and pulled out all kinds of sharp objects. Oh, no. (laughs) Knives, scissors... Corkscrews, just, just tons of stuff that shouldn't have been in there. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> well, oh, did the props department have it out for you, Jen? What was going on? I mean, well, it should th- those drawers should have been. Yeah, obviously they fell on the side of realism. Like, well, what's right. in a what, drawer? What, in a drawer? What, what would be in a kitchen drawer? Because right. that's that. If I look in my kitchen and my drawers, that I do see all those um, things. I'm gonna say cooking twine is soft. Um, maybe some nice dishcloths. <laughs> yeah, right. Hot, hot holders. Hot holders. <laughs> um, I don't care if you put a Nerf football in there. Just not a knife. <laughs> Of course, I'm sure. I'm sure they felt so bad too, though. I mean, yeah, that was probably somebody new or just you know, yeah, definitely an oversight there. Um, But yeah, I'm sure that they were they were feeling pretty bad. Uh, Jen finishes the story by stating, "And now you know why when I set my props before a show, I check for stray knives." (laughs) P.S. My back had been to the audience and David when all of this had happened. So none were really any the wiser. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> wow. PPS, shout out to New Skin Liquid Bandage for keeping me from needing stitches. <laughs> Yeesh. That's right. Uh, if you're listening, New Skin. Um, not a Jen, sponsor. <laughs> Jen, Jen <laughs> was, right, not yet. Uh, but yeah, Jen, uh, give her a call. Wow, Jen, you are a tough I'm- cookie. I'm on board, man. That liquid skin's the best. Have you have you used it, Kalen? Oh yeah, I always have liquid skin at home. Well, you never skin. know when you're going to reach into a drawer yeah, right. and grab a, a stray knife. Theater companies, listen to listen to the people. Please don't use knives, and if you do have to use real knives, new skin liquid bandage <laughs> brand for all your skin. stab wound needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well done. Thanks for sharing, Jen. Thank you. Well, since we're all here, let's read another one. Let's do it. All right. I've actually got a story here from Jana Blumberg, good friend who moved away to Washington State, and we miss her, but she did a lot of theater with us here in the Fox Valley. And you tell. Um, yes. So Jana Blumberg writes in, and her email is called Injured on Stage. <laughs> 
there are a lot of injuries that, that seem to occur on stage. And she's going to share one with us now. All right. Um, so I'm just going to read it, even though she has a little warning, which uh, begins with, hope you can use this. Of course, feel free to give the Cliff Notes version. Smiley face. Um, there's only one version, and that's the full Monty. So we're going to go for that's it. That's right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> we don't cut here, folks. No, we're not going to water anything down. You can, you're getting every beautiful detail. We don't condense. We don't summarize. We don't change names to protect the innocent. <laughs> That's right. Unless you tell us to, and she did not. It has her name all over it. So we're, we're using that puppy. All right. Jana says, I was injured on the opening night of the Albright Theater production of Hollywood Arms, which is the play about Carol Burnett's childhood. I played her wretched drunk of a mother, Louise. In this very physically active play, I had many quick costume changes. Galen, you were in this show, yes? I was indeed. Ah. I was I was witness to this story. Were you Carol you Burnett? This? Yeah, I played Carol Burnett. <laughs> Who did you play, Galen? Remind me. I saw it. I but... played Jody, uh, Carol's dad. The okay. estranged dad. Also a drinking problem, yeah? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Burnett. I've never seen the play, so just to verify, you were the husband of the character Jana is talking about, or you were at least I was the estranged husband okay. of the character that car- that Jana played. Okay. All right. So many quick costume changes. Two scenes before intermission, I was on stage alone as a drunk nine-month pregnant Louise, walking around with my fake bun in the oven, uh, walking like I thought a drunk nine-month pregnant woman in heels walked. <laughs> Scene ended, <laughs> right? Very specific. I guess that's that's something to consider. You've got heels, you're nine mm-hmm. months pregnant, you're drunk. How does that person yeah, walk? That's, some, that's a few plates spinning right yeah, there. Right. Yeah. Scene ended and I walked off the stage and suddenly a muscle pulled in my back with the pain intensity of a cleaver being thrust deeply. This wasn't the first time in my life this happened, so I knew what the hell I had just fallen into. I believe I had roughly 60 seconds or so for my costume change, which was sans pregnant belly and with child. New dress, new shoes, fake baby. My costume person, who was my director, was backstage whispering for me to light a fire under my feet, and I could literally only waddle to her where I told her that basically I couldn't bend my back, nor could I lift my feet. Knowing if I did either, I would pull the back muscle again. The only thing going for me was that I was hot and sweaty from being on stage, which saved me from cooling down and the muscle tightening even more. I've never Mm. heard anyone say that. Thank God. Thank God God I was hot hot and sweaty. sweaty. saved me man alive my director had to undress and dress me and other people came in to help by putting my shoes on me this definitely took more than 60 seconds and i was the first person that had to walk on the stage oh man mm. that's so rough those yeah. when you have a quick costume change and things aren't going right and it could be something small like you know, you can't get your shoe tied or whatever. It sure. feels like an eternity to you. Yeah. And I can only imagine in this case where she, <laughs> she really couldn't. And do that's the thing, a 60 it. second quick change with what she has described is already remarkable. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even if everything goes perfectly. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I have to take off. I have to take off a pregnancy belly. I have to have a completely new dress. Uh, yes. I have to put my shoes back on. So clearly those had to come off. Also, I needed a fake baby, which was clearly a prop. Right. It's- yeah. You're mentally, you're, you have this checklist that you're going through. And even with help, it's still just, it's always so stressful. And then your back gives out. Yeah, and then your back gives out and it's like, what the, what do I do now? Well, here's what she did. Once on stage, I was to place the baby nicely on the Murphy bed and cover her up. Knowing I could not bend, I nicely threw the baby down on the bed, which did result (laughs) in laughter from the audience. Ugh. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) That's why why Carol Burnett's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that wouldn't be something they remember. The rest of the play was a blur of me trying to do the least amount of movement while acting convincingly, of course. (laughs) Did I mention this was opening night? I went home, (laughs) took some pain medicine, and the next morning I could not move. This wasn't good, and the show must go on, right? So what does the smart actor do? They take some of their husband's very strong narcotics he had for his back and fall asleep into a stupor. (laughs) Upon waking several hours later, I could move, but I felt very drugged and I knew I couldn't go on stage like that. So I decided the best medicine was to stay moving, stay warmed up until showtime and struggle through the shows, which I did. The baby was thrown on the bed two more times that weekend, each time resulting in laughter. After all, Louise was a wretch of a mother. Why not add that to the list? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yep. Jana. Ouch. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Do you remember Not how that, you want to open a show. You, you remember all of this, Galen? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's one of those things where... You know, everybody, you know, becomes aware that this has happened and and you can't do anything about it. Like you, you want to help out, but it's like, how much can you do? I mean, obviously, you know, helping get uh, her her costume on and off and that sort of thing is is useful. But, but yeah, what you, what you really want to do is somehow make it so she can bend again. Um, But yeah, you just kind of have to go with it. Wow. Yeah. Just wait it out. Man. Yeah. She 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 is what we call a trooper. Ooh, I'd say. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jana, thank you. I don't think I've ever even come close to any pain like that on stage. You know what I mean? No, yeah. Me I'm like sitting here thinking and I'm like, have I ever done no, anything? No. And no, uh, yeah, I oof. Me neither. Yeah. Th- knock on wood, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well well done, Jana. Well done on uh toughing through it and well done on your story. Thank you for mm-hmm. sending it in. I'm very excited about this next interview. I cannot say enough about our next guest, Jamie Black. He is a writer, an actor, a teacher. His solo show, titled It's My Penis and I'll Cry If I Want To, has gotten widespread acclaim and for good reason. It's it's eye-opening, it's inspirational, just like Jamie himself. We talk about everything in this conversation. We talk uh, rough starts, bathtubs, golden girls, you name it. Uh, So here we are with our talk with Jamie Black. Welcome, Jamie Black, to the Just For Show show. Thank you. We are so thrilled that you are with us. And um, you are one of the 
busiest performer friends in my Facebook feed. That's what I, that's what I said to you when I emailed you and asked you to be on the show, um, which is saying something because we've all got a lot of performer buddies, but you Man. are always hustling. It is stage. It's, it's a hustle. Yes, it is. It, it is a hustle. So yes, I am always hustling. Oh, Always moving, and I love it. I love it's hard um, out here. <laughs> you make hard it look easy. Here. You make it look easy. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's got another gig. Oh, he's doing stand up this week. Oh, look at that. He's <laughs> now it's like a film. He's okay. So I, we have uh, lots of things we wanted to ask you about because you have such a, a rich Great. and interesting career as a performer. Awesome. Thanks. Every actor, just like every superhero, has an origin story. And we would love to hear your actor origin story. How did it all begin? It all began in a small town, <laughs> downstate Illinois. <laughs> Times were tough. It was the late 60s. And this young child had a dream, had a dream to see his name in the Hollywood lights. This is Why did he have story. this dream? Because Rodney Allen Rippey was on television doing commercials with Bob Hope and Phyllis Diller. And that wow. young child thought, I could be just like Rodney Allen Rippey. I could do that. And so that's when I became interested in acting. Uh, I love it. So it was just watching TV and it caught Man. your attention. And I wanted to do comedy. Cause, oh. cause Bob Hope, Phyllis Diller, they were funny. They were doing these funny bits with this little black kid, and I was like, "Oh man, I want to do that. I want to do bits with Bob Hope and Phyllis Diller." Oh well, I, I mean, I've got bad news for you. I don't know about that particular dream coming true. However, you've still made uh, quite a showing as a performer. So, where did it go from there? What was your first role? Oh, my first role would have been, oh, God, that's a good question. Oh, God, but it's a horrible answer. It's terrible. I don't even know if I want to talk about it. It's awful. It's terrible. That makes the um, best story. That's, of course, what we want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think, Butterflies Are Free. I was in third grade. Okay. But I think it was butterflies. I don't know. It's a memory I've tried to really push out of my head. So all I know is they cast me as a girl and I hated it. And yeah. So. What was the first fun, enjoyable acting experience that you had that really got you hooked? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> when I was in fourth grade, uh, we did a... We wrote a play about Squanto and the Pilgrims. Squanto being one of the uh, Native Americans that met the uh, Pilgrims mm -hmm. at Plymouth Rock and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So in order to not play a woman again, I made my case that, well, I needed to play Squanto. Okay. So my teacher was like, well, Squanto's a boy. And I was like, yeah, but I am the only one here with brown skin. And so I should get to play Squanto. I was the only black kid in the entire school. And that's uh, actually a <laughs> totally valid point. Good for you. You're like, how can you disagree with that? How are you going to argue? And she did not disagree with that. And I got to play oh. Squanto. 
Excellent. And so, yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, and I'm never playing a woman uh, in a play again. Fast Good forward to Chicago and Second City, and there I am out there as a woman. I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was but that's the- for comedy. Hey. I'm trying to make you laugh. So... Well, those are, okay. those are those are the humble beginnings, and you are a successful Chicago actor now. But you came from this small town, yeah. and a, a, I, for for those who are listening and can't can't see the the shudder that just went across Jamie's face <laughs> when I said small town, a, and I I get it. I'm from a small town too. It's a um, terrible so, place. I'm sorry, but but do you feel like it? shaped you in certain ways as a performer did it build character as they say I mean I suppose so I mean you know you know if yeah I mean I would say that it did I mean it almost destroyed me in the process but yeah I mean I guess it built character you know I realize you know how much better I am than those people (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they're just awful people. They're awful racist people. It's just, oh. it's just terrible. So yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it shaped me. But it, but but before that, it almost destroyed me because I didn't have a lot of self esteem growing up. Wow. So that is so, remarkable to hear because you absolutely radiate confidence. That's one of <laughs> oh well, good. <laughs> Well, you do. You. That that's a that's a draw, and it's. I'm going um, to the bar now and pick up a chick. <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> you got it, baby. <laughs> um, but no, so that's that's surprising to hear. Yeah, it's true. So you know, I from that point on, from the time Squanto through my freshman year in high school, I never ever played another female role. I I always. And I never had to make another case for it. They just let me do it, um, which was fantastic. Oh, I guess we probably should tell your listeners that I'm transgender. And that's why (laughs) I was a girl back then. That's why they were putting me in those roles. That's why it was remarkable that they then cast me as, as I know you know, but the, the listeners need to know. I need to let them in on that little tidbit of information that I am transgender. Yes, thank you. And in a small town and in uh, what, yeah. late 60s, early 70s. So that's yes. got to be just a walk in the park, really. Oh, man. I'm telling you. Terrible place. Well, we don't want to bring everybody down with stories no, of that. We will but. not make you relive the misery. Um, <laughs> we're more interested in you know how you got where you are now. And I know that there had to be people along the way, whether it was way back then or later, you know, uh, as you got a little older, who were some of your mentors who inspired you as a performer? Well, let me, let me say this. Cause I think there, I think I do need to go back to just, just for a moment because there were, there was 15 years in there that I didn't act at all because I didn't think that I could do it. And I, and I didn't think that anybody would ever, Really? Take me seriously as an actor. So I quit. I quit my freshman my freshman year in high school. And it was because I forgot my lines in Romeo and Juliet. Oh I was I was Friar Lawrence 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot my roll. lines. I'm standing there for seriously what seemed like an eternity. Even when I think back about it, it still seems like it was an eternity. It was probably 30 seconds. Yes. But, but that I was is like, a oh. traumatizing experience. That's traumatizing at any age, much less <laughs> when you're a kid. Yeah. So I stopped acting uh, for 15 years. I wow. didn't get back into it until I was 29. What got you back into it? You know, that nagging, that nagging feeling of, mm. no, no, you're supposed to be an actor. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And until I took a step forward to do that, that nagging was always there. So I had to do something about it. Yes, that is a powerful nag that compels an actor. And I think yeah. it's pretty common for, for various reasons for performers to go through periods of self-doubt you know, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I worthy of this? Is this for me? Will anybody yeah. take me seriously? Um, yeah. So I, I'm glad that you were able to fight those voices in your head and make a comeback. Even if it took 15 years, still, you came back. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And I've been going ever since. I haven't even looked back. No kidding. Well, <laughs> you've, you're very accomplished. Um, you're a stage actor. You're a, a film actor, TV, you're a SAG member. Um, what would you say some of the, the challenges or benefits or both of uh, performing on stage live versus acting, you know, for the screen? Um, I think, but I think everybody says this. I think it's that immediate energy you get from the audience. So that immediate feedback. Sure. You know, as you're up there and the play or whatever it is you're doing progresses, the audience give and take, you know, I'll give you something, you give me something and we just do this thing. Yes, that we talk about that on the show a lot, just that that mutual energy going back and forth with an audience. And there's really nothing else like that. Uh, you yeah, know, that, yeah, that's a yeah. Cool and I love I love being on stage, but I love film and television, too. So. Okay, what do you love about film and television? I don't know if I really, I don't know that I can put it into words. What it is about doing television. Television was your original inspiration to get into acting. So right, just an affinity for that idea of being able to tell a story or do some comedy or, you know, catch somebody's attention. Make people and, uh, laugh. Make them laugh and keep them from changing the channel. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> You know, and see me every week. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just vain. And I just want people to look at me every week. Every week, I just want them to tune in to me. And they, well, they could do that on theater, but most people wouldn't go to the theater multiple times. But they'll turn on the television multiple times. That's it. I think it is. I'm vain. I just want to be seen. That's it. Hey, that's as good as answer as any. I, I'm I'm into it. I, I just great. discovered this. Oh, good. I'm glad we could help you open up this part of yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I might as well be honest, right? I mean, that's part of my job as an actor is to be honest and open. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of honest and open, um, you have a good deal of experience with stand-up comedy and improv. Um, could you tell us a little bit about some of your most memorable moments doing improv or stand-up? Well, so I start. I originally started doing stand up because 
I needed to know what it felt like to be in front of an audience by myself because I was getting ready to write my first solo show. Ah, uh, very And brave. I was like, yeah. So I had, I was just talking to my friend Melanie about this. She has a solo show that she just did in the Elgin Fringe Festival. It's called Polyamory the Musical by Melanie Mosley. Okay, anyway, that was my plug for her. Because <laughs> it's a great show. It's such a great show. Um, yeah, so I was getting ready to write my first solo show. And I had only done plays with whole ensembles and everything. So I needed to know what it was like to be on stage by myself and to have to carry that whole show and to have to keep the audience engaged and, and, and everything. So that's why I first started doing stand-up. Now, also, I was kind of fulfilling my 13-year-old self's dream because by the time I was 13, I did want to be a stand-up comedian but just didn't think I could do it low self-esteem, because I was like, oh, well, you know, my friends think I'm funny, but will regular people think I'm funny? Like, people who don't know me, will they actually laugh at stuff? Probably not. I won't do it. So, (laughs) so, you know, I talked myself out of it. But then, but that, that was kind of nagging at me a little bit to do some stand-up comedy. So I did. Um, How old were you when you did your first stand-up show? uh, It was 2002. I think I was 35 in 2002. It just took you a few, you know, 20 some years to get it up was, the courage, but you did it. I did it. Yeah. And how did and it then go? It wasn't, what was that first no, experience like? The first experience was good. And then the next week I bombed and that did not feel good. I mean, it's really very, very painful to be on stage alone and to not have the audience like you. I mean, it just for me, who I'm still really trying to get over this whole low self-esteem thing, for me, it's so painful. So it it just kind of scared me away from it. But I still did the first solo show. And that really got me then into just doing solo work. I'm like, okay, you know what? I can do this. I'm just going to do solo work on stage. And then I can play whomever I want to play. on stage because I'll write it and then I'll have to perform it. So it can be any character, a character that I would never be cast in if, if somebody else were casting a show. You mentioned um, that you love comedy primarily. I do. So when you're watching comedy that you love, what do you think is making it great? What, what's essential to great comedy? (laughs) For me, what I like the best is the surprise punchline, the punchline you didn't necessarily see coming. Yes. (laughs) Twist. (laughs) (laughs) I love those. I love those. Something can catch you off guard. It's not not what you were expecting. Yeah. Golden Girls. Golden Girls. Yes. I love them. I was just watching them before we got on here because I can stream them too. Thank God. I mean, this is like a dream come true. I dumped cable and now I can stream the Golden Girls. I should have done this years ago. Right? You're never going to want to leave your house now. I mean, I know. 24 7 Golden Girls. (laughs) That's how, you know, my my aunts are a big fan of my husband and um, the way that he, he won them over. Um, they had a little camper at a campground and, and we would go and visit and we had some other friends there and we were visiting some friends. My aunt's camper were down, down the way and my husband disappeared for like 
three hours. And I had no idea where he went on this campground. And he, he came back later and he's got like a handful of Oreos and he's just happy as a clown. And I was like, what, what, where were you? Oh, I was watching uh, Golden Girls with your Aunt Sandy and Aunt Joan. They're awesome. I'm like, <laughs> and of course, then they had the same thing to report back to me. He's great. I'm like, yep, he will absolutely sit and watch Golden Girls for hours. But really, who doesn't? Why wouldn't do that? you? Yeah. I think it's I think it's crazy though. It's it's crazy because sometimes I I want to watch a movie, you know, and I'll go through the movies and I'm like, damn, that movie's two and a half hours. <sighs> I don't want to sit through two and a half hours, but I will sit through eight hours of the Golden Girls, no problem. <laughs> it's a different. Like, I won't even be mindful of the fact that eight hours have gone by. Other uh-huh. than, oh, my stomach is grumbling a little bit. Oh, I haven't eaten. Oh, yes, it's now nighttime. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love your affinity for Golden Girls. Oh, love that. I have a Golden Girls coloring book. Where did you get a Golden Girls coloring book from? That's amazing. Yeah, my friend Angela's boyfriend, Gene, gave it to me. I don't know where he got it. I didn't ask. I just started coloring. (laughs) He knew. He knew. And he made a friend that day. Friend for life. (laughs) Um, Well, on the other hand, what do you think kills comedy? What, What keeps comedy from from being great what keeps it from going to the next level and don't just throw out somebody's name that's not nice (laughs) you know (laughs) i think what kills it i think being mean spirited is you know i don't necessarily like it when they make fun of people i mean sometimes it'll be a really great joke and i'll laugh and i'll feel guilty that i'm laughing because i shouldn't be laughing because they're saying something mean but it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, see, I'm a terrible person. I'm vain, remember? I'm the guy that wants everybody to tune in to me every week. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if I can agree with that. Uh, I, I think there, you know, there is something, there's something funny about, you know, people falling down. And, you you know, you don't want to. Oh, no, that I'll laugh at all, every right? day, all day. It's funny. Oh, people falling down is hilarious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I fell one time in high school at one of my friend's house. It was a tile floor. There was some water. And I wish that because I, I was like, I don't even think I was 21 yet. Or it might have just been 21. I don't know. I wasn't that far out of high school. But, you know, we didn't have the phones where you could take, you know, mm. video and everything like that. Because if this could have been on on video, because <laughs> my friend. <laughs> My friend Laura was like, you looked like a cartoon because I, I did that. You walk in, you slip, your feet go up, and you go land flat on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was cracking up because I was like, I can't believe that really happened. I can't believe you really fall like that. I thought it was just a cartoon thing. But that actually happened. You can't deny it. So even you can even admit your own falls are funny. So that's what oh, makes you hilarious. not a terrible person. See, you, you because you laugh at yourself too. That's the difference. Well, that was a defense mechanism growing up in a very small, conservative, racist town called Paris, Illinois. Um, oh, shout out in case anyone's <laughs> planning a vacation. 
<laughs> um, that's a defense mechanism. That's from being like the only black kid in 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 uh, from first through eighth grade, and being one of five black people in the high school in the entire high school. I mean, it was a defense mechanism. I had to make fun of myself before they made fun of me, and then they couldn't say anything about me. So that's pretty much how I got through high school. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably, yeah, carried a lot of people through some hard times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you went through that, but you are very, very funny. And so if, if, that <laughs> Aww, helped, thank you. if that helped you on that journey, I mean. You know, it's one of those things you have to find what is funny about this situation. You know, yeah. it, and normally it would be, the, yeah, the black guy's here. I'm here to, well, no, I'm sorry. The, I'm like the black person's here because I would not have called myself a black guy back then because I wasn't a guy. Um, <laughs> the black person's here. The party can start. That's what I used to do. Every party I went to because I was the only black person there. <laughs> wow. So you're like, I'm going to break the ice. I'm just going to come out and call attention to this before anybody else tries to or makes me feel awkward about it. I'm going to yep. turn it around. It's really yep. brilliant. I mean, that's actually brilliant for any any young person uh, struggling for any reason they might be, because everyone Self has preservation. Yes, I mean, we all learn those little tricks and everything that gets us through. Yeah, until it gets better, and it always gets better. Yes, yes, it does. I'm sorry you went through that, but I'm yeah, I'm glad it got better. <laughs> oh yeah, it got better. We talked about how you were doing some stand-up and some other things to get you ready to try doing your one-person show uh, or your first one-person show. I mean, yes. I, I, is that the fringe award-winning uh, show that we're all familiar oh, with? It's, oh, no. This is, oh, this no, is my earlier. first solo show was bad. Your first solo show was bad? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bad how? What 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 kind of critiques are you giving yourself? You know, it just it I I I don't think I acted it well. Um it was kind of poorly written even though I had taken um I graduated from Second City writing, which is why I I, I did the stand up and took the writing so that I could do this solo show. Um Yeah, it just wasn't it just wasn't written that well. It just you know. Okay. All right. You're just being a little honest self-criticism from a distance. You feel like you yeah. could have you could have done better, but it not enough that you put away writing because you went on to do more solo shows. Yeah. Well, one more. One more. Well, tell us tell us yeah. about that one. That's the it's my penis and I'll cry if I want to. Best title ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those I can never think of titles. I just it it's it's one of the things I hate about writing is then trying to come up with a title for, for what it is I've written. Mm. And this, this was one of those, I hadn't even, I had entered it into a solo jams. Uh, Impact Theater does, uh, so, well, they did then. I don't know if they still do. Um, they do solo jams. Uh, they do um, blocks of solo performances. So there's two per night per weekend. And so I, I entered it in this showcase before I'd even finished the show. Wow. Because you see how my brain works. It's just, if there's not a something specific that I can focus on that my brain goes, it, I, it, won't, it won't get done. It you just gave won't yourself get done. a deadline. 
by by entering by entering oh yeah yeah, i get it smart so um so yeah so i i had a deadline and i finished writing it but i i I couldn't come up with a title and then they were trying to put together promotional materials and we need the title here and i was like it just came to me it's my penis and i'll cry if i want to And history was made because you went on to perform that show at multiple Fringe festivals. And yes. tell us about um, some of the accolades that you got for that show. You were a Fringe standout. Yeah, I won uh, in 2016 at the St. Louis Fringe Festival in St. Louis, um, but, uh, uh, National Artist of the Year. That's incredible. I Galen and Galen and I have a little experience. We we dabbled in some fringe festivals with a comedia troupe we used to have together, and right. it's very competitive. It's very um, very yeah. difficult to be seen. You think you've yeah. got something special and unique, but everybody there has something special and unique. The artists yes. are brilliant. So yes. the fact that I know a fringe award winner, artist of the year is really impressive to me because I know how tough that is. Which is why it surprised me that I won. I did a Christine Lottie moment. Do you remember her from, um, what was that show? Chicago Hope? Chicago Hope! She she won an Emmy and she had gone to the bathroom. So okay, you so weren't expecting any sort of accolades. You just had a Chicago Hope moment. of. So, yeah, so this is what I'm doing. So they're giving out because the National Artist of the Year is the last award. And I thought that, you know, if I was going to get something, you know, might be like best writing or something like that. You know, I I was hoping for something like that. I certainly wasn't hoping for National Artist of the Year because, like you said, so many talented people there, you know, and I'm just like, they're not going to give that to me. So I'm (laughs) I'm sitting here. I'm on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm texting on my phone because I'm like, oh, National Artist of the Year, so I'm not going to get this. You know, I'm texting on my phone. All of a sudden, they call my name, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, is there, is there um, another Jamie Black? <laughs> like, oh my God. I was so, so shocked. So wow. shocked. That's thrilling. But yeah, no, it was. It was really awesome. Um, and then I did get best writing at the Boulder Fringe Festival in 2019. For the same show? Yes. Yeah. It's a great show. I, I was really happy I got to watch it online. I didn't get to see it live. Hopefully, hopefully you'll perform it again live and I would be there because um, it was such a great show. It was such a personal show. Which I think that was the word that came to my mind immediately. Yes. Everything seemed very personal. How would you just sort of, for people who haven't seen that, the, the show at all, how would you describe the show, Jamie? Um, I say that it's about gender norms and gender expectations and how society does not allow us to integrate our masculine and feminine characteristics and how that affects us in life. Brilliant. It's a long elevator pitch, but it's that's no, <laughs> that's that's true. And of course, we all have masculine traits and feminine traits, and we're so encouraged to follow one or the other, you know, to the to some societal standard, um, which is just impossible because that's not a person, right? Yeah. Exactly. There'd be a lot of people that that would think that I or your husband were gay because we love the Golden Girls. Right. Yeah. Because you yeah. can't. Well, I mean, we're men. We can't 
the yes. Golden Girls, those homosexuals, they like the <laughs> Golden Girls. You know, they're always watching them Golden Girls. And all and them other old white lady, you know, like uh, that Streisand chick. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, they're always watching those kind of uh, things, you know. Because those women, you know, they're all those women are divas. Yeah. And you know how the homosexuals yeah. love divas. I mean, you know. That. Right. You know, right. It's so. ridiculous. It's, it's all... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, just no. it's 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 dumb, you know, and and women probably well, I'm not going to say that. I mean, but women get a lot of crap about a lot of things, and that's just one other thing. Like, you know, you have a woman who's strong and, you know, successful and she's a bitch, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> if she yeah. were a man, you know, oh, that she'd be praised for being a success, but because yeah. she's a woman and and doing the same thing, that dragon lady, yeah, <laughs> that dragon lady. I wish somebody would call me that dragon lady. That's <laughs> incredible nickname. <laughs> I don't know why anyone wouldn't want it, but all right, that's fair. Well, I, I've noticed, you know, a lot of your your work, at least the the work that's publicly available to to see, you know, things that you put online, your podcast, um, your friend show. It, a lot of the themes seem to be um, some, well, it's my penis and I'll cry if I want to was specifically about gender norms. But generally speaking, a lot of your work seems to revolve around themes of self-love, self-acceptance, and just being kind to others, um, which is really remarkable and and needed um what role do you think that artists have in making the community the world a better place um i mean they just do it just by being and doing what they love to do you know i mean we think about especially over the pandemic that was one of the things you know because you heard a lot of people i guess they were upset because actors were getting you know some compensation during the pandemic, you know, and oh, we're just doing this little hobby thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, but during that whole pandemic, what did you do? You watch television, you listen to music, and all those people are artists, and they're exactly. doing what, they're That's they're right. doing their thing and what they love to do. So it, it is it's so needed. I mean, did that answer your question? Yeah, a lot of this podcast and the reason we do it is to you know talk to local artists because the impact that people are making is huge, you know, so sometimes it's just nice to ask about what your responsibility is or what your role is in changing the community. And, and I feel like your shows um, do a lot of good for other people because they, your, your podcast, for instance, um, I love the, the uh, title of it, the, the icky, lousy, junkie life showdown. Yep. And you did it. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but it's great. And you know that that one revolves around bad life decisions and kind of yes. how to how to process through those. Yes, and how not to beat yourself up about bad life choices because literally everybody makes bad life choices. Yes, everybody. So true. Yeah, I wanted to hear about that podcast, like how it started and where did that where did it even come from. Well, one of my secret desires is to be a radio DJ, and I figured that's the closest I can get to it by doing my own podcast. Fair enough. That was one. That was one. Re- that's my. That was my deep, deep desire. The second reason was because my friend Angela was being certified as a health and life coach. 
And I was like, oh, you know, we should do a podcast. She was like, well, what? About? I was like, I, I don't know. So we, we, we were talking. I remember we were at Bonefish and we were eating probably Bang Bang Shrimp and some other good stuff. And I think she said, well, what about bad life choices? And I was like, oh, yeah, bad life choices. Yeah, I've made plenty of those. She's like, so have I. It's like, oh, good. Let's do a <laughs> about bad life choices. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we did. You know, we got together and we started doing it. We're in season four. Although Angela... Has, she has gotten a new job. She is no longer going to be my podcast partner, which is why we've been on hiatus for a few months. But I'm going to bring it back. Right. Oh, good, good. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great topic. And I, I think it's, um, you know, like you said about kind of cutting yourself some slack, not being so hard on yourself because we, we, all, we all make mistakes. We all make bad choices. And you, you've got to figure out a way to to still live with yourself and love yourself. So I love that the message is that you're making bad choices, but it's okay. You can, you can come back from that. Um, yes. you know, assuming you didn't like kill anybody or really. Like, well, yeah, cause that we can't come back from. I can't right. help you there. Yeah. That goes beyond a bad life choice. You killed somebody? Oh no. No. But if you, you know, if you chose, if you chose, you know, double pepperoni deep dish pizza instead of bonefish grill that night, it's okay. You're a person. You needed that pizza that night. That's right. That pizza was calling your name. <laughs> I love it. I it love was. It. Well, I also know, um, speaking of your public work, some people know you as the bathtub (laughs) philosopher. That's right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What is that? Well, I've been doing bathtub philosopher for like 13 years. (laughs) And I, it was just one of those, this is, oh, I'll tell you what it was. It was a way for me to do stand-up without going out and oh. standing up in front of in front of uh, a people, you know, in the live live bar or something like that. It was I can do it from my bubble bath. <laughs> yes, the safety and security of my bubble bath. Um, and even bathtub philosopher preachers, look, I'm a man, but I'm in a bubble bath. It's okay. Mm. This is self love. Okay. So, yeah, so that's how Bathtub Philosopher started. And, and so it, and it allowed me and it, Bathtub Philosopher actually started where I if you go back to when I first started doing it, or find some of my earlier Bathtub Philosopher videos. I did it just as Jamie Black, your Bathtub Philosopher. But then I realized I could say crazier stuff if I made Bathtub Philosopher a character. So ah. then it became, hi, I'm Jamie Black, your bathtub philosopher. <laughs> and I can say really crazy things. Yeah, sure. I love it. I would like to get all of my advice from people in bathtubs. You you drop some pretty good wisdom. Um, and it's, it's you always- You know, I try. You know, I try to help people. <laughs> it's uplifting. You know, I mean, it's I'm, positive. I'm all about love. I'm all yes. about love and helping people, okay? Yes. You know, and I just try to help you make sense of this crazy mixed up world. That's all I do. I do it for my bathtub. And that's okay. We love it. <laughs> yeah, I've started doing Bathtub Philosopher on Twitch. Oh. Yes. So I, I think I... I go live on Twitch. Oh, how do you like that? Um, that? I don't know. I think it's okay. I think it's fine. Because I, you know, I think about the fact that I would edit my videos, my Bathtub mm. Philosopher videos. This I can't edit. I'm live. Right. It's like, oh, it's like television. Yes, it is playing to my vanity. (laughs) 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 
No, that's great. Well, and you're clearly very adaptable because you've done all of these different types of performing. So at that point, it's like, okay, live in a bathtub recorded, live in a bathtub live, actually live. I mean, I don't know. I could see you going on tour with a bathtub and and doing it live, live. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. I have thought about that. I would say, yes, they would wheel me out in the tub and I would do, and I would answer questions. Of people in the audience. Right on. Yes. Sell those tickets. Uh, Copyright, copyright. This is Jamie Black's property. (laughs) Don't anybody dare try to be a bathtub philosopher or be wheeled on stage in a bathtub. It's his, the end. That is locked in now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Jamie, you've like come up with so many different like ways of performing where some people who maybe don't have the imagination or don't have the confidence to try those sorts of things, right? They're just sort of like, eh, I'll dip my toe in the water and, and that's it. I mean, would you, would you have any advice for some people who are like, maybe, maybe they, they have that desire to try some of the stand up or some of the other things and just maybe don't feel the, the confidence to do it? I would say, well, you know what? Things are different today because you can do that kind of stuff from the comfort of your home. You can set up your phone. You can do it from the – and it is much easier and much – I feel secure. See, I still have to – when I do, do stand-up, I actually need to go out because I'm getting used to doing it on Zoom, my mm. Zoom comedy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need to – I really need to get out there and, and do it again in front of an, an audience, stand up there on stage in front of an audience. But I would say – I would say start that way even. Um, mm-hmm. Put yourself out there. There's always somebody that will connect with you. With you. Mm. Now, there's a lot of horrible people out there that will say horrible things, but they don't know you. So they don't know what they're talking about. So – and that's all you got to think. They don't know you. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Don't give them the power. And sit in a tub. And just chill out. Just relax. <laughs> well, that's your thing. They can sit in a tub before they do their thing or after yeah. to relax. But, yeah. you know, your thing is from the tub. Just sit in the tub. That's all. That's <laughs> all. I'm I'm just advocating sitting in a tub, in a bubble bath. <laughs> It'll change your life. It's great. <laughs> so we, we asked you for advice for others. What has been some advice or feedback that you've received over the years that impacted you as a performer? And it could be positive or negative because we all know the impact of words. I was ready for this question. I knew you were going to ask this question. I knew you were going to ask this question. Really? I did. I did. I knew you were going to ask this question. No, I just, it's just, I could feel it. I could feel you were going to ask this question. I knew you were going to ask this question. Oh, my gosh. I can't Um, wait to hear your answer then. I will tell you that the most positive feedback I've ever received, and it's the same one, and I appreciate it so much, is you're so natural on stage. True. And I remember the first time it happened, God, I hadn't been in Chicago for very long at all, and I remember I was on stage at the Bailiwick. And it was some kind of festival. And I remember doing, we did this scene on stage. And that was the first time I got that, that comment. That was, was like, you're just so natural on stage. And I get that a lot. And I'm like, that's because I, I really try to bring myself to each character. 
so that it is just natural, you know, with little tweaks here and there. Yes. But I'm really playing different versions of myself, you know, because I think there's probably about 100 people living in my head. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's that. But that's what I just try to bring myself to each character with little little tweaks. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful answer because um, I think that's what makes for the most compelling performances to watch when there's honesty in the performance and, and the, and, you know, on the other hand, the toughest ones to watch are where you're like, Oh, you're trying, who are you trying to be? There's, <laughs> right. there's nothing recognizable there. It's too much affectation right. and not, not enough real. Um, yeah. So that, Nobody's yeah. Yeah. binge watch that during the pandemic. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're getting exhausted after like five minutes of, of that. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I had a, a great answer. Meisner teacher that said, we are all capable of all behavior. Mm. And it's just under what circumstances are you willing to do what, and that's how you bring yourself to it. That's why I love Meisner is because you are bringing yourself to it you yes. know and you're you're reacting you know honestly under imaginary circumstances you you created the backstory to that imaginary circumstance in which you have to to react however it is you have to react and if you do it right and this is what and this is what i because i teach now too i teach at actors training center in wilmette is what i always tell the kids i'm like just be stop acting there's a lot of acting going up on these stages stop acting just be i just bring yourself you know and 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 really it's about you know even 10 year olds have enough life experience to bring a full character to life I mean, Absolutely. you see it all the time. You see some of these kids, you're like, damn, these kids are good, you know? And and, and so it's about telling them, you know, you are enough. Because I know, I knew I, as a kid, I didn't feel like I was enough. So, you know, letting these kids know that they're enough, you can do that, but just be, stop acting. You, you, you're it. Just bring you. What excellent advice for stage and for life. You are enough. Did you just uh, yeah. recently start uh, doing this this teaching? No, I've been teaching for two years. Oh, two I... years now. I love it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I love it. I love it, but I always knew I would because that's that's like that that helping people. Like I've always wanted to help people, and, and but I've also always wanted to act. I said, well, how can I do both things? Like how can I help people and act? Um, and – well, I can teach. I can teach them what I know. And so um, I'm like, I, but I didn't seek out this job. Like, cause I honestly, for the first, my first class had imposter syndrome. I was so, I was like, oh my God, these kids are going to, they're going to see right through me. Cause you know how kids are. They're very perceptive. They're going to see that I am not this. I shouldn't be teaching them. Why am I, why am I? I, I did, you know, it, it was fine. I didn't need to because, I, like I said, I didn't seek out the job. the 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 owner, uh, Carol Debo, she was stalking me on Facebook. She was seeing everything that I was doing, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I need this guy to come in and teach." Good eye. <laughs> so eye. that you know, but I had imposter syndrome that first class. Oh my god, I was I was terrified they were going to find me out. <laughs> but let me guess they adore you yeah they kind of like me yeah yeah and then i've become the crazy acting teacher 
Uh, like I had this moment. Uh, I had this moment. So I was trying. They, it was my. It was a monologue class. So and they they picked their own monologues. I was like I I was like I I cannot act like this is very weird, but it's kind of weird. So the the girl was like fourteen, and she picked this monologue. I'm trying to remember what it was from, but it was a woman who was in an abusive marriage, oh. and I'm like heavy for a 14 year old i'm like but i'm gonna i'm like you picked it i didn't pick it for you so you picked it but i gotta talk to you like your character so i got it and so so this is what so she she gave the monologue and it was bleh and it was it's a scene after um her husband has just made love to her and then has gotten up and walked away and so and then she goes into this monologue. I said, okay. I said, listen. I said, that man does not respect you. I said, this monologue is all about you are finally seeing the fact that you are in this loveless marriage. This man does not love you. He's kind of abusive towards you. you know. And this is your moment to tell him. I said, he has just made love to you. He got up. He's treated you like, like you're nothing, like you're dirt. And he's walking out that door. And you've got something to tell him. And she plunged into this this monologue and all of a sudden tears started rolling down my face because I was like, oh my God. Wow. That is it. And she uh, you could just you could see her heart went out of her chest and grabbed him and brought him back. She goes, I've got something to say. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. That was like a teacher's dream. Oh wow. <laughs> a teacher's dream. Oh, oh, she was fantastic. You unlocked something and probably something that surprised her too. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah, but probably just... more more that the crazy acting teacher was in tears <laughs> <laughs> watching this. <laughs> you were moved. I'm sure she was, you know, that was probably a, a moment she won't ever forget, you know, being oh, able yeah. to well, that's true. Make, her, make her teacher uh, move to tears. That's, that's pretty that's cool. That's true. That's true. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I can look at it that way then. Uh, I want to know what's next. Um, are you working on something? Do you have something you'd like to work on? So right now I'm in the second season of Work in Progress, currently streaming on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Check it out, um, everybody. And I am I'm developing a television show based on my solo show, It's My Penis, and I'll Cry If I Want To. Oh, no way. That's awesome. You're developing yeah. a television show. Jamie. Yeah. I already, I, I pitched it and they turned it down, but I got some really good feedback. It was my first television pitch. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I was like, I'll just put, put some stuff down. And, and I, after I sent it in, I was like, I don't think I fleshed it out enough. I don't think you'll really understand where I'm going with this. And, and that's exactly the feedback I got. It was like, it wasn't really, you know, really fleshed out really well. I didn't have a good sense of the characters and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, all right. So now I know. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the pitch. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Is that developing a show? I mean, I'm, I'm in, I mean, I'm, I'm writing the pilot, you know, and everything like that, but I've also, I'm trying to pitch it at different pitch things to see if somebody will go, Oh yeah, that sounds interesting. Do you have a pilot? Why? Yes, I do. And I can say that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That absolutely counts because you're, you're also kind of at that point now you're like manifesting it too. Cause now you said it. I'm I'm developing I'm developing a television show. It's there. It's out there. It's scary. It's very scary. 
and very, very scary exciting. for a very insecure, low self-esteem, small town boy from <laughs> downstate <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now that you've you've spent a little time with Galen and I, which which Golden Girls are we? Just snap judgment after an hour. You don't have to be. There's no right or wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, I would imagine that. I don't know. Galen might be a Dorothy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi, you are probably, I don't want to say, I think you're a mixture of Rose and Blanche. Oh, bless. Thank you. Thank you. Because I think <laughs> you have Rose's, Rose's sweetness, but something tells me. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> something tells me something. Well, so. you met me in a Marilyn Monroe costume, so that might be affecting. Right. Well, that might be. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie and I met at a, a benefit um, for a, a group that, that works with families with mental health issues. And we were uh, brought together by Lisa Dawn. And their, the theme of their event was uh, like a, you know. Old Hollywood. Old Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. She, so I, so Lisa Dawn came in as Lucille Ball. She's great, of course. And um, she asked me to come in as Marilyn. And Jamie came in as Red Fox in a tux. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Nice>. right. <laughs> that's how I. That's how I met this man. So obviously, nice. smitten ever since. Um, oh. Well, thank stop. you. I will never stop. Never. <laughs> never. Thank you. Thank you for well, being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I was so excited. Secretly, I really wanted you to ask me, but I was like, oh, she's never going to ask me, is she? But you asked me, and I'm so excited. <laughs> Yes, you've been on our list. We've got this ever-growing list of people we want to talk to, and you've been on the list forever. And we kind of realized, like, wow, season one went by like that. we got to keep doing this because there's still so many people we want to talk to. So we're, we're so glad you said yes. Jamie Black, it's been a joy talking to you today. We're just so oh, glad. Oh, thank you. Got... It's been so much fun. Let's do this again. Let's do it yes. on Icky Lousy Junkie Life Showdown. All right. I mean, Galen and I can go on there and talk to you about podcast bad life choices, <laughs> bad life choices, bad yeah. life choices. oh galen doesn't make any of those oh He's, sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely we'll talk to you anytime anywhere so until we meet again until we meet again and that just about does it for this week Before we put the ghost light out, I would like to thank my co-hosts, Heidi and Ben. I also want to thank you for listening. And now, a word from the little boy who inspired our good friend Jamie Black to get started in show business. Hi, I'm Rodney Allen Rippey, and the matter beats can eat that jack-in-the-box this jack-steak sandwich, and these are pretty delicious too, and this is a taco. This is just on your ring. It might be 10,000 things that Jack had about. Pack up the kids, crank up the car, to Jack and the Balls. Come as you like, come as you are, to Jack and the Balls. <laughs>